This episode is sponsored by me, Andy Hill, the host of this show. If you're looking for someone to support you on your family, wealth, and happiness journey, I'm taking on a select number of coaching clients this year. To work with me one-on-one for your family finances, go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more. I am interested in crypto. I think it's interesting. I don't find it to be a traditional investment per se that I can trust. If I'm looking for something to sustain my financial future, I wouldn't put it there, but it is interesting. This show is dedicated to helping you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Welcome to the Marriage, Kids, and Money podcast, everybody. This is Andy Hill, and today we're going to do two things. First, we'll be answering a question from the Marriage, Kids, and Money community about cryptocurrency. Yeah, hot stuff going on right now. (laughs) And second, we're going to hear from John from the Pacific Northwest about how he achieved millionaire status by age 40. All right. Let's jump into today's show. Recently, I received a question from Christopher via email at Andy at marriagekidsandmoney.com. And here it is, my friends. Hi, Andy. I really enjoy your podcast and your passion to teach about money. Thanks, Christopher. Would you consider teaching about Bitcoin? What is it in layman's terms? Is it a viable investment? What are your thoughts about it? Thanks, Christopher. Christopher, thank you so much for reaching out with this question and a timely one at that. (laughs) The cryptocurrency boom has seemingly taken over the financial news as of late, and it's hard to ignore. It may surprise you, Christopher, to hear that Bitcoin has been around for over 10 years years. Isn't that crazy? 10 years. And at the time of this recording, it is valued at around $47,000, that's US dollars, per coin. That is nuts. (laughs) Here are some fun facts about Bitcoin. There will only ever be 21 million Bitcoins And they come into existence through what is known as mining. So what is mining, you might ask? Well, according to Investopedia, Bitcoin mining is the process by which new Bitcoins are entered into circulation. But it is also a critical component of the maintenance and development of the blockchain ledger. Whoa. Okay. Then you got to ask, well, what is blockchain? (laughs) Right? It's just questions after questions. And that's kind of what I'm trying to do here. So let's talk about that. What is a blockchain? Well, this is a whole new world, my friends. According to another excellent resource that I found called 99Bitcoins, this great video, which I'll put in the show notes for everybody. They describe blockchain as a way to combat the problem of centralization. I didn't know that was a problem, but essentially this would be eliminating decisions and information being controlled by a few parties and allowing it to be determined by everyone instead. So when information is open and available to everybody, transparency and I guess accuracy abound. So Nate Martin, the gentleman from 99Bitcoins, he used the example of Encyclopedia Britannica versus Wikipedia. 
So Encyclopedia Britannica had 100 editors on staff during its heyday and before it closed up shop in 2010. Just imagine the power those 100 editors had in determining what was worth mentioning or what was worth condemning or what was worth completely ignoring with regard to our history and the information we use to determine what's the truth. So this information and the encyclopedias themselves were very centralized because only 100 people determined the final outcome of the information shared with everybody else. Now think of Wikipedia. This has over 135,000 editors, lots of people. So when something is tweaked, altered, or changed, there are so many more eyes on it. This allows for more accuracy, truth, and transparency. And this is more decentralized. So that's the difference between centralized and decentralized. They use this great example in the video that helped me to understand the bonus, essentially, of blockchain. And that's where cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin and Ethereum shine. Rather than one centralized authority keeping an eye on the currency, everyone keeps an eye on it. And that is what intrigues me about cryptocurrency, Christopher. We're living in a time where trust is the ultimate currency, right? And if there's a technology and a currency that can support that trust, it sounds like something to look into. But Christopher, let's discuss your question of if it's a viable investment. I think that's really where you wanted to go, right? I mean, talking about blockchain and Bitcoin and and the background is very interesting, super interesting. And a lot of other companies are using that as a way to run their business. But let's talk about your question of if it's a viable investment. And I'll be honest with you, I have no idea. (laughs) I don't know. I have no idea. I'm a crypto newbie. In the past, honestly, I've sort of dismissed it as a distraction against, you know, more simplified investing strategies like buy and hold index fund investing, which I'm a big fan of. Everybody who's listening to the show knows that. But I am interested in crypto. I think it's interesting. I don't find it to be a traditional investment per se that I can trust. But if I'm looking for something to sustain my financial future, I wouldn't put it there, but it is interesting. And so what I like to do when I don't know how to proceed with an important financial decision is to ask for other people's opinions that I trust, that I know. So in this case, I asked for, I think it was about 13 different opinions from friends, past guests, and just folks within our personal finance community. So I'm going to share those with you right now. And I hope these opinions help you and me (laughs) with our decision on whether it's worth buying into cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin. So here is our first contributor, and that is Mindy Jensen from Bigger Pockets Money. What are my thoughts on cryptocurrency and will I or do I buy it? I do not buy crypto right now, and I do have a lot of thoughts on it. First, I don't understand how it works. And I firmly believe that if you don't understand something, you shouldn't be investing in it. So for that reason alone, I would not invest in cryptocurrency until I had more time to do the research. And I don't have time right now. Second, I don't consider it an investment. I consider it a pure gamble. And I don't gamble. I prefer traditional investments like stocks and real estate. 
And until I see evidence that this is actually going to change the world, which I do not see at this point, I'm not going to be putting any money into it. I do think that anybody who is considering putting money into a cryptocurrency should only put as much money in as they can afford to lose completely. One last point is that the government will come calling for their tax money. So if you do make money in a cryptocurrency, you should definitely make sure that you have saved enough to pay Uncle Sam because he absolutely will knock on your door with his hand out. This is Jonathan Texer from WalletWin. Cryptocurrency is crazy. I had heard about Bitcoin years and years ago. I'm in the tech stuff. I just thought it was nerd money. I never thought of it as an investment. If only I would have, of course. But right, I have a little bit of Bitcoin. It's just for fun. It's kind of that, well, we'll see what happens. It's so crazy. It's hard to know if it's going to be worth anything, if it's going to go up, if it's going to go down. With a lot of the ETFs that will be coming out soon and all the interest that there is in Bitcoin, it seems like there's going to be a market for this thing. But it's interesting. I never think about, should I buy euros? Should I buy yen or anything like that? Because it's not quite a currency. It's this whole other thing. It's a little bit of a speculative thing, but it's certainly right now, I don't recommend it to anybody that they should be putting money into Bitcoin right now. It's more of a, if you think it's kind of fun, if you're interested in it, and if you can lose all that money and be totally fine, then, you know, float your boat, go for it. But, it, you know, I'm not... I'm, I've looked in the mining it. I just don't have the setup to do that efficiently. It's just kind of a fun thing. It's a neat thing. It's also one of those things, right? You kick yourself for not being in it 15 years ago. So maybe you want just a little bit so you don't kick yourself for not being in it 15 years from now. Yeah, it's a fun thing, not fundamental to anybody's financial well-being. Hey there, Mr. Hill. It's your old neighbor, Joe Salsi. Hi from Stacking Benjamins. Miss you, bud, but I'm so glad you're talking about crypto and I wanted to weigh in. I like crypto. I think crypto is definitely the future when it comes to the way that we're going to pay for things. And the reason I think that is, look at what the big banks are doing. You know, companies like JP Morgan and Goldman Sachs don't get involved in things unless there's a future. You can definitely see them moving some money in that direction. It's more problematic when we look at it as an investment because is crypto really an investment or is it what we're going to buy sandwiches in the future? And how does something that we're going to buy sandwiches go up as much as Bitcoin? Bitcoin has or Dogecoin, right? Which, what do we even use Dogecoin for? So as an investment, I I really don't know. I don't own any. I'm thinking about maybe buying a little. When I say a little, a real, real, real little. But that's more just as an experiment. Get my feet wet in it. Because if it's a future, heck, why not uh, start with a little bit today? So great topic. Thanks for all you do, Andy, for the whole community and another great show topic. Hey, Andy, this is Rob from Treesify Foundation, the simple startup and soon to be author of M is for Money. You asked the question about whether I would buy cryptocurrency. And the answer is I currently do own some cryptocurrency. But when I get asked if I invest in cryptocurrency, I typically tell people I don't invest in it, I speculate in it. I have no idea if it's going to grow in value or if it's going to be worth anything in one, two, five, or 10 years, but I am able to take part of my portfolio and put it into speculative investments like cryptocurrency because I've taken care of future me already. 
90% of my money is invested in broad-based index funds, and the other 10% I'm allowed to speculate in individual stocks or alternative investments like cryptocurrency. I hope that helps the audience. Hi, Andy. This is Paula Pant, host of the Afford Anything podcast. Here are a few thoughts that I have on cryptocurrencies. And let me first give the disclaimer that I'm very much learning this field. I am not an expert on crypto. I am still very much a student in the world of cryptocurrencies. That being said, first, the underlying technology, blockchain technology, is already revolutionary in our society and will continue to be so. I am highly, highly bullish on blockchain technology, that that underlying technology, and strongly believe that it will be a growing force in our lives in the coming decades. As for the currencies themselves, it remains to be seen which currency or currencies will gain mass adoption. Bitcoin, of course, is the largest right now. And so there are people who speculate that it has first mover advantage. I There's certainly an argument for that, but of course, that is a speculative argument. The distinction between Bitcoin and Ethereum is Bitcoin is a digital currency. Ethereum is a digital banking system. And so Ethereum has technologically a lot more potential when it comes to being used as a banking system by entities like MasterCard. So I've personally invested in Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Voyager token, but I uh, am still learning quite a bit about this. Hi, Andy. This is Bonnie Turex from 43 Blue Doors. My primary thought on cryptocurrency right now is I don't know what I don't know. So to learn what I don't know, I've recently purchased some cryptocurrency. I've only invested what I would expect to pay at a good amusement park. My purchase is less about investing and more to learn about what this is all about and how it acts. The reason I want to learn more is that I believe there is a viable future for mining coins. Maybe it will be Internet 2.0. In the future, will our data reside in mine bits across the world instead of being controlled by mega companies? That could be a really good thing or bad, but I'm always curious. Hi, my name's Amanda. I blog over at Millionaire by next year. I actually started investing in cryptocurrency about a month ago. And the reason why I jumped onto the train is because I've realized there's an actual use case for uh, cryptocurrency. When Bitcoin first came onto the, the scene a few, well, like a decade ago, I guess, there really wasn't any use case for Bitcoin. Like you can't take a Bitcoin and go buy something. NFTs have changed that. Now you can use Ethereum, which is what I personally invest in, and you can buy NFTs. And I think as the NFT market grows, the demand for crypto is also going to increase. So that's why I'm investing in it. Hey, this is Chris Hutchins from the All the Hacks podcast. When it comes to cryptocurrency, it has three purposes for me. First, I keep a part of my long-term investment portfolio in an 80-20 mix of Bitcoin and Ethereum. I think Bitcoin's the best bet on a long-term store of value in crypto, and I think Ethereum is the bet on blockchain technology driving the future. Second, there are stablecoins, which are backed one-to-one by U.S. dollars, and right now I keep a portion of my cash at BlockFi to earn an 8.6% return on cash. Finally, there's a long tail of random coins to speculate on, things like Dogecoin. You should probably treat these like gambling, and I don't personally hold them myself, but if you want to... I'd keep the amount invested in them very, very low because they could easily lose their entire value overnight. Hope that's helpful. Hi, Andy. It's Nancy from YourMoneyMom.com with some of my thoughts on cryptocurrency. I first learned about it back in 2011 
when the Economics Podcast Planet Money did an episode on this new thing called Bitcoin. I remember listening at the time and thinking, this sounds like a shady way for bad people to do bad things on the dark web, and I want no part of it. That may have been true in the beginning, but in recent years with the proliferation of different types of cryptocurrency, as well as things like Coinbase, the company that went public last month, there are safe and legitimate ways for people to acquire cryptocurrency, use it to purchase things and services, and sell it. So a few weeks ago, I purchased a small amount of cryptocurrency as a learning tool, and I am glad that I did. Now, as a mom, I feel compelled to give advice. So let me say for people who don't have their personal finances completely in order, Getting involved in cryptocurrency, especially trading it, is not your best bet. I really encourage people to take the long game, whether it's purchasing stocks or stock funds or cryptocurrency, and I think that's what pays off in the end. This is Ricardo Pina from TheModestWallet.com. Despite all the bad rep cryptocurrencies get, they've essentially disrupted how we exchange value of the internet. By cutting out the middleman, cryptos offer a fast, private, and cheap way to send and receive money. Personally, I only buy Bitcoin as it offers unique features and advantages compared to other coins. Bitcoin is an excellent way to store value and is a great hedge against inflationary currencies like the dollar. There will only be 21 Bitcoin in existence, whereas central governments can supply an unlimited amount of fiat currency, basically diluting its purchasing power. With all that said, I'm a big proponent of cryptocurrencies but I would recommend and encourage people to educate themselves before investing in crypto. Know the difference between the various coins, the advantages and disadvantages of all of them. And one more thing, I'll not recommend anyone to invest more than 2 to 5% of their investing capital into crypto, as it's highly volatile. Good luck, guys. Hey, Andy, Jacob, Wade here. Just some quick thoughts on cryptocurrency and putting money into it and investing in it. Ultimately, cryptocurrency is basically a new asset class that has been created and uh, is obviously holding a lot of value now. It's over $2 trillion locked into that marketplace. So if you treat it like a different investment, so you got stocks, you got bonds, you got real estate, you got commodities, things like gold. Cryptocurrency is now a new asset class that is not going away. That being said, it's extremely volatile. It's super brand new. There's no regulation around it and can just downright lose people a lot of money. So if you treat it like an asset class and you invest appropriately, not going all in, but putting a percentage of your portfolio into it as a different asset, you can do well. Things like Bitcoin obviously have established themselves as a a dominant leader in this space, but then there are things like Ethereum and some other currencies that are starting to lock in a ton of value and projects are building built, being built on top of them. So there, there's a lot of research you can do. There's a huge rabbit hole, but if you just treat it like an asset class and invest appropriately, it, it can have good long-term gains, but it's also very volatile and could drop any day by 40, 50%. So if you want to ride the wave, throw a little money in there, you should be okay. Hey, Andy Callen here from The Savvy Couple. Excited to talk cryptocurrency with you and share my thoughts. Personally, me and Brittany have invested in the Bitcoin back in 2018. We kind of doubled our money. It was a speculative investment for us at the time. We went from, we put 3,000 in and took 6,000 out. I was super excited about that, but I wasn't confident in cryptocurrency at the time. So we pulled all of our money back out. And then recently in the last six to 12 months, we've continued to invest money into it. 
We started with about 1% of our portfolio because at the time, this this year specifically, I've really had the feeling that if you're sitting on the sideline, it's actually more risky than not putting any money into cryptocurrency. So I think it is very important to diversify your portfolio and hedge against stocks and, and mutual funds and IRAs and everything else. So I think it is very important to do some research and, and learn what cryptocurrency is all about. I'm a big fan of Bitcoin and Ethereum. I love that Ethereum is a smart cryptocurrency that you can put parameters on, such as a house, purchasing a house, having a mortgage on it, things that you can put parameters on is very exciting. So yeah, we have about 10% of our overall portfolio in cryptocurrency. Now I actually just this morning moved $5,000 over from our individual stocks into more crypto to kind of just play the crypto wave that's going on right now and and get be a part of it and do our research and pick the ones that we truly believe are going to stay long-term. So I definitely think you should get involved. Hi, Melissa, the roamer from travelingwallet.com. Here are my thoughts on cryptocurrency. I have two. The first one is that it's intriguing. There's still a lot about cryptocurrency that a lot of us don't understand. And obviously how it's exploding is definitely something all of us want to see on our bank accounts. So my husband and I have considered starting to put a couple hundred dollars in there and see what happens. My husband and I, though, are on our fire journey and we're more than halfway there. So we're in a financial position where we feel comfortable putting in some money in some areas that we consider more risky. The second feeling I have is concern. When I see posts and people saying that they're 100% in cryptocurrency, that makes me so worried. Because what I've learned about you know personal finance is that you want to be diversified. You don't want all your risk in one place. Yes, you can have massive gains, but you can also have massive losses. And so while cryptocurrency is intriguing and it's something that I feel like it's okay if you want to dabble in it, it's not something I would recommend to someone just starting out on their personal finance journey. And it's definitely not something I would recommend as putting everything into one spot. First of all, a big thanks to all the contributors here today. That was a great big community effort, and I appreciate a lot of it. These folks took time out of their schedule. They left their feedback on this topic, and for that, I'm very, very grateful. Thank you. I absolutely love the variety of opinions here. This is, it's great. And actually gave me a lot to think about. And although there were some differences, I don't think anyone in the group said that cryptocurrency is a joke or it's not worth looking into. On the other hand, no one said it's the end all be all and throw away all your US dollars because crypto is taking over. So I guess we land somewhere in the middle. So here are my top three takeaways landing in the middle. Number one, take care of more pressing financial concerns first. If you don't have months of actual dollars, real dollars, stashed away for an emergency, then pause on buying crypto. If you are paying high interest credit card debt, then pause on crypto. If you're not taking advantage of free money matching programs like your workplace 401k, then pause on crypto. Take care of the fundamentals before you spend your money on a speculative investment. Number two, decide ahead of time that you're okay with losing this money. The future of cryptocurrency is unknown. 
depending on which crypto you are investing in or buying or whatever term you want to use, it could have a little to no value in the near future, depending on how things shake out. If you plan to buy crypto, don't think of it as an investment. Think of it as a speculative bet. And with any bet, know that you may lose your money. Number three, Bitcoin over Dogecoin. This point may anger some Dogecoin fans out there, but according to our panel today, the general consensus seems to be Bitcoin and Ethereum over things like Dogecoin, Shibu coin, or any next random joke or meme coin. <laughs> that being said, who knows what tomorrow will bring in the land of crypto? Last week, Elon Musk tweeted that Tesla won't be accepting Bitcoin anymore, and the price dropped by like $10,000 in a day. This stuff is volatile, so be careful. Don't treat it as an investment. And if you're going to drop some money into it, don't make it a sizable portion of your portfolio. For me, I decided to buy a super small amount of Bitcoin and Ethereum as a fun experiment. I took it literally from my fun money category in my budget because that's what I consider it right now. Fun. If it gives me heartache to think about, if I'm paying too much attention to the ups and downs of it, I'm going to sell it and I'm not going to look back. I actually posted that on Twitter that I bought it and then I'm going to sell it tomorrow because it's already given me headache. But after some days and after listening to these voicemails, I'm still holding on right now. But again, if it gives me heartache and I think about it too much, I'm going to sell it and not look back. I have more important things to focus on like my wife, my kids, and my small business here. I will happily go back to buy and hold index fund investing that has actually helped our family achieve great things like Coast Fire and just a sense of time freedom that we really, really enjoy. Because even though it feels like cryptocurrency is on a tear lately, don't forget about the good old S&P 500 index or just the total stock market index. The S&P was up 16% last year. That's a good amount for your investment. And, and even 8% so far this year, depending on when you're listening to this, obviously. But my point is here, the boring stuff still works, my friends. But if you're looking for some entertainment, not a surefire investment, look no further than crypto. But enough from me. I would love to hear from you. What do you think of cryptocurrency? What do you think of Bitcoin? What do you think of Dogecoin? Any of these fun coins that are out there? Are you buying into the crypto market right now? Please let me know. Please tag me on social with your thoughts at Andy Hill MKM. That's Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. I would love to hear from you on this fun topic. We'll be back to the show after a word from our sponsor. Are you looking for someone to walk alongside you on your journey to family financial independence? Well, I would love to help you achieve your goals and help your family thrive. I work with couples, individuals, and families all around the U.S. via video chat and can assist in the following areas. Becoming debt-free, growing your net worth, crafting and sticking to your budget, reviewing Coast Fire plans, developing strategies to build generational wealth for your kids, 
and designing your future work optional lifestyle. Doesn't that sound nice? (laughs) If you're interested in working with me one-on-one, you can book a time with me by visiting marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching. I would love to help you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Visit marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more, or you can click the link in our show description. If you're looking to improve your financial situation, it helps when you're able to cut out unnecessary costs. Cell phone services are a necessity for sure, but we don't need to be overpaying for them, right? That's why I like Tello Mobile, a phone service worth talking about. We've been fully on board as a family with Tello for over two years now, and we are so happy that we made the switch. For us, the reception and data service is better than Verizon, and our costs were nearly cut in half. Tello runs on the T-Mobile network and it's wowing new customers like us with their rock bottom prices and stellar service. With over 10,000 reviews, Tello is rated as excellent on Trustpilot, and this is quite rare in the wireless world. Nicole and I went for the unlimited data, minutes, and texting plan for only 25 bucks per month each. Isn't that crazy? You heard that right. $25 is their most expensive plan, actually. And Tello is running a special offer for MKM listeners right now. Check out Tello today at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. And use the code MKM20 to get 20% off on your first month of service for any Tello plan above that $10 per month mark. Again, use MKM20 to get 20% off at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello, and you'll be supporting this show. Hurry up. The code is valid until April 19th, 2024. Marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. Let's jump back into the show. I love talking about increasing your net worth. This is our barometer for wealth building success. Today, we're going to speak with a husband and a father who achieved a million dollar net worth by the age of 40. John from the Pacific Northwest is our guest today. John lives with his wife and four children and enjoys playing loads of instruments like the piano, guitar, bass, banjo, and even the mandolin. Welcome to the show, John. Hey, Andy. Nice to be here. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks so much for contributing and helping everybody understand this story of yours, which is super impressive. So let's talk about your motivation. When did you start paying attention to your money, your finances in a way that helped you to get where you are today? I graduated from college in 2002 and started working right away and did not pay attention to much at all for the first few years. But eventually my brother turned me on to Dave Ramsey. So pretty quickly fell into the whole baby steps routine. It was a really great finance 101, I like to call it. We don't have a lot of debt, just school debt, but it helped us to focus and and knock it out right away. So yeah, I mean, that's when it started. So I guess that's probably almost 20 years ago. Awesome. And then were you with your wife at that point? We dated in college. I graduated a year ahead of her. So I'd already been working before we got married. But we, yeah, figuring out how to merge finances. I remember meeting with kind of a financial coach explaining the envelope system to us, which is the first I'd ever heard of it. And at the time, it sounded weird and like we didn't want to do it. And then later came back around to it. My brother introduced me to Dave Ramsey's stuff. That's cool. That's cool. So did you learn about this through your church? Because I understand you guys do premarital counseling at your local church now. Was this part of the premarital counseling where you got this information or was this in a different avenue? Not at all. The guy that we met with was someone that another couple we knew had found 
somehow. I actually don't even remember. He just came and sat at our dining room table and kind of walked through a proposal. And it, it was a sales pitch. And we ended up not hiring him for all the other stuff he wanted to do. But he gave us, you know, three or four pages of good tips for starting off being married. And so so we ran with that. As far as, yes, we do do premarital counseling at our church. And we started that Oh, after we've been married for maybe five or six years, I actually at one point became a volunteer pastor at our church. And so I had lots of different pastoral counseling type roles in meetings with people. And my wife has a master's in counseling. So even though I typically played in the worship band and she did other things, this was a way that we could both serve our community together to meet with couples and kind of give the both the husband and wife experience and help them get set up on the right foot. So it was a great that's great that you're giving back today and you got that type of advice for you as you kickstarted your marriage and that probably helped things move down the path pretty well. So talk to us about what you and your wife do for a living. So I'm a project manager at an engineering firm. We are focused all up and down the West Coast, work on different construction projects. She has a couple side hustles. She subs periodically at our kids' school when she's doing that today. She also works for an independent sales company, you know, MLM, but they, that gets a bad rap. But what she does is actually they source jewelry from a bunch of different third world countries and give artisans in those countries fair living wages and then a marketplace in the U.S. So she kind of does, you know, think of it like Tupperware sales. Or, you know, she goes into someone's party or someone's house, except not right now. Right now, it's lots of <laughs> Zoom meetings. But yeah, and just gives people a chance to, to try on pretty things. And when they buy, that turns around and helps people in other countries. And then the company she works for actually also donates a portion of their proceeds, helps with adoptions. So it's, it's, it's very human-centric, kind of aligns with her and her care for people. And like I said, she's a master's in counseling. She's all about helping people. So it's just another way that she could be fueling her passion into uh, helping out our family. That's beautiful. I love that. Making money and helping out in the long run and, and kind of doing it towards your passion too. That's great. So your net worth, we talked about it at the top of the show. That's very impressive. Can you talk about what does your net worth consist of, you personally? Yeah, so about half of it is real estate. I like to say that we won the real estate game a couple times. We bought our first house when we were married for about a year. And, you know, it, it appreciated a lot. And we were able to sell high and find a deal and buy something bigger or low and did that a couple times. So we've got a fair bit in real estate directly. And then we also own a rental that we purchased out of state about three years ago, got into bigger pockets and what they're doing with uh, rental real estate. And so dipped our toe in there. It cash flows a little bit, but mostly we're just holding on to it for the long game. That's great. Yeah, I love bigger pockets. They're very inspiring. Lots of interviews on people who've done some incredibly cool things, especially the the long distance real estate stuff. That sounds very tempting. Is it very far away from where you live? Is this plane ride far away or is it car drive far away? Oh yeah. So we're we're on the West Coast and it's in the Midwest. And we're, we're hoping to hopefully pick up, I don't know, a few more in the next year or two. I had plans to, to start back in on that last year before COVID and everything locked down. And we just put a pause on taking anything that seems too risky at the moment. But we hope to get back into that. That was a few years ago that you started it, you said? Yeah. So we bought that three years ago. So you've got some excitement around it. Why did you choose the Midwest? I just I picked a couple places that I to do some research on. I wanted some place with relatively stable incomes. I wanted big big ish cities, but not too big. I wanted places where there were universities and hospitals and manufacturing, where there was a good base of people that would need a nice place to live. And then also looked around at you know where are some places with favorable tax rules, favorable landlord tenant laws. Just what what would make sense for us, knowing that we we're going to be relatively hands off. We wanted something that would just kind of sit there that we could mostly forget about, except for the occasional furnace repair or something like that. That's great. And then your personal residence, sounds like you guys have been in the Pacific Northwest for a couple decades. So when did you buy your first house, I guess? 
2003. Oh yeah. Okay. So you've seen a lot of growth over the years. And then you said you've, you've been able to sell on the high range and then buy again and have it keep appreciating. Is that right? Yep. Yep. That's right. Okay. Let's talk about the other half. Then you said you've got half of it in real estate and then the other half is what? So a little under 10% is a privately held stock at my employer. Uh, About four years ago, I was able to get to the point where I could buy in and become part of ownership and management. And that's been great. It's a really healthy company and the opportunities for profit sharing and management bonuses have been a big win. Then aside from that, we've got a little bit of emergency fund and the rest is a combination of Roth IRAs for both my wife and I and some rollovers from previous employers and current 401k. When you were getting into the 401k and these other investment routes, how did you decide what to invest in? I know a lot of people get stuck there or sometimes they are investing, but it's just going into a money market fund or something like that. How, How did you know what to plunge your money into? So early on, I just kind of picked the, the, the overall couple of recommendations that the benefits manager would tell us, you know, when we'd have our annual enrollment meetings and all that. Like I said, we were doing the Dave Ramsey baby step thing, and he doesn't prioritize a lot of investing at first if you've got debt. And I kind of kicked myself for following along with that, but we didn't do much in terms of investing. We got the minimum to get the match and otherwise worked on paying down our school debt. The, uh, that's actually my primary complaint with baby straps is I feel like it kind of breaks down around step three or four when you really should be doing a little bit of all of it. Yeah, I would agree with you. Since then, I, I kind of graduated to what I call the, the 201 mentality, where, where Dave is more of the 101. For a long time, I just had it in those, those basic couple buckets that were recommended when I didn't know any better, and I didn't pay attention to it, which was fine in the long run because I didn't fuss with it, and it just sat there and, and grew and doubled and doubled. These days, I, I'm optimized a little bit more for low fees. I've kind of opted a, a, a Paul Merriman-style approach. So aside from the real estate, I'm basically 100% equities. 75% is total stock market, and then the rest is spread across some international, some small cap, mid cap, and then a small sandbox of some single stocks just for play. That's fun. That's fun. Yeah, there's lots of excitement with the single stocks lately. So as long as it's not <laughs> as long as it's not a, a big portion of your portfolio, obviously that you would have some heartache, right? <laughs> right. Exactly. Very cool. So you guys did this Dave Ramsey plan and then sort of fell into a two oh one. Do you guys have any other debts today besides the mortgages you have? Nope. Just our just the mortgage on the primary and the mortgage on the rental. We paid off our mortgage and that was more for an emotional reason, but it's hard to deny these rates these days, right? Yeah, I actually just heard from my mortgage broker that we may be able to refinance into a 2.5. Wow, that's incredible. (laughs) Nobody would ever thought this uh, years ago. That's incredible. Very cool. Well, it sounds like you guys have figured out some great ways to build wealth, both from the real estate side, as well as investing in some smart avenues, both through work and then outside of that for, for retirement and having a little bit of fun with some investing in single stocks and things like that. Do you have any, I guess you guys have been doing this for nearly 20 years together now. Now, do you have any hacks or anything like that where like, hey, this was one of the main things that helped us to get where we are today and maybe do it together as a couple? Well, so I would say, I mean, I, I really do think that the the Dave Ramsey's baby steps are, are a great place for anyone to start. It, you just get the fundamentals. We did the envelope system for a long, long time. I avoided credit cards like the plague. I find I, I've broken down and I take advantage of some points and stuff like that you know, the different ways that you can stack some of those card benefits now. But but for a long time, we stayed away from all of it and just focused on what what can we afford? If it's not in the bucket this month, we got to wait till next month. And then other than that, planning on coming up with a plan and then let it do its things, automating your investments and just letting them cook away while you don't pay too much attention to them. That's been the the biggest help, just kind of out of sight, out of mind, figure out what, what we need for right now, and then let the other stuff just work behind the scenes. 
I love it. Well, there's a lot of people that listen to this show that have spent some time with Mr. Ramsey and all the goodness that he's been able to provide. And and then they get to a point where they're like, wow, man, I wish I maybe would have been investing earlier. I really need to ramp that up. Was there like a book or a moment or a, some sort of influence that helped you to flip that switch for investing that maybe helped you to understand how to invest? Honestly, the, the biggest thing, my, my major growth curve has probably been the last oh, five or six years. I would credit it primarily to uh, Joe Salcihe, Cihai and uh, Stacking Benjamins. I found them when I was just looking for some new podcasts, and I love the way that they intro you to just basically any any deep dive that you might want to take. So that was when my, my financial hiring sort of get, started getting broadened out, and I could kind of explore different little niche ways of thinking about things. And I've since picked up a lot of other recommendations for podcasts and books. I don't think there's any one go-to. But like I said, I would definitely start anyone with Dave Ramsey. I might I might mark it up with Sharpie before giving it to him. But then, yeah, some someplace like like your show, like the Choose FI guys, Sacking Benjamins, where they introduce a lot of other people and then find something that's interesting and just read broadly and kind of figure out what works for you. I know a lot of people love Rich Dad, Poor Dad and Richest Man in Babylon. And I have to say that I've tried reading both and I didn't get much of anything from them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so to each their own, read broadly would be my recommendation. I think that their last point is the best point. It's like the idea that everybody's personal finances are so similar is, I think, a misnomer. It's everybody's so unique in their own way. Somebody's going to read a book and say, this is the book. And then the other person, eh, that's okay. I, I got more influenced by this. So getting a flavor and tasting a bunch of different things and finding out what your speed is, is fantastic. And I love that you called out Joe. Joe is a great guy. He lived just down the street from me for the past couple of years. He moved away, unfortunately. <laughs> we were playing board games together, having a lot of fun. But yeah, he's a fantastic guy. And that's a good reminder for me to just invite him back on the show so everybody can get exposed to him more. Fantastic, man. This is great. So let's talk about what's in the future for you guys. You guys have hit this great milestone together as a family. You guys are doing really well with real estate investments. What's exciting now as you look towards the future? What financial dreams or goals do you have together as a couple and then as a family? First off is that there are a lot of organizations and causes that we really care about, and we do support them now. We, you know, we give a lot away, but our long-term goal is to have a lot to give a lot away. There's lots, lots of uh, organizations, programs we care about locally to us and around the world. And so just important to kind of build something that can grow and not just, not just us live off it in our retirement, but also be able to have it spin out ongoing resources for others. Our kids' school is kind of a startup in the middle of a big city. We'd love to be able to turn around and sponsor a, uh, a teacher or a couple students to attend. It's a private school. We're not there yet, but you know, being able to come back around and help those who we've benefited from in the past is a huge goal. We have four kids, as you said at the top. We want to successfully get them launched. You know, That might be college. That might be trade school or something else. They're all a little different, uh, but we want to figure out what's right for them and be able to help support them while they do that. And then I have the option for a sabbatical in four years. So we're saving up for a big family trip, hopefully take a month or more, go to Europe, Spain, Italy. We have, my wife and I have been to, uh, to England and France, but we haven't explored the southern part of Europe. So we'd like to take all the kids and spend an extended time there. Those are the big goals. I love it, man. I love all those goals. And I, I think I want to join you in all of them. I think they're fantastic. Very cool. So if someone is uh, listening right now and they want to hit this net worth milestone of a million like you, what advice would you have for them to get started? Maybe the first step they could take following this interview. The, fir the first one really is just start saving and investing early. Get it in so it starts compounding. 
I think if you want to get fussier than that, figure out how to maximize the tax advantage options that might be available to you. And then beyond that, just, you know, figure out what your plan is and focus on it and automate as much as you can so that you can focus on your life, on doing good work, because that's how your income continues to go up and just kind of keep your head down and carry on. Excellent, John. This is fantastic advice and congratulations to what you and your family have done here. This is incredible. You guys are setting yourselves up for a great life and you're taking the blessings that you've gotten and now you're going to bless others. It's fantastic. So if people want to ask you any questions, can they do that in our Thriving Families Facebook community? Yeah, I I am being a little vague about who I am here in this podcast. It's going to go out to the whole world, but uh, I'm in the group. And uh, after this goes up, I'm happy to comment and say, hey, this is me. Fire away. Excellent, John. Thank you so much for doing that. I appreciate you sharing with us. It's a big deal, and I hope it inspires a lot of people who are listening. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Eddie. A big chat about crypto and a real-life lesson on how to become a millionaire by 40 from John from the Pacific Northwest. Thanks, John, for that testimony. If I could tie it up all in one big, nice bow... I would say focus on the proven methods for building wealth and study up on the ones that are yet to be proven. As a quick reminder, everybody, this show is for entertainment purposes only. Be sure to seek out a professional for your specific financial situation. Before we go for the day, I want to encourage you to reach out with any questions like Christopher did today. If you have a question, please shoot it to me on social at Andy Hill MKM or a voicemail at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash voicemail like all these incredible people did today. It's great to hear voices. Those are the best routes to get a hold of me. I will answer your question myself, or like today, I might ask for a little help from my friends and the community. In the spirit of growth and inspiration, I'm going to end the show with two quotes today. This is the first time I've done this. (laughs) The first is from Nassim Tlaib. Bitcoin is the beginning of something great, a currency without a government, something necessary and imperative. And the second is from Peter Lynch. Buy only what you understand, believe in, and intend to stick with, even when others are chasing the next miracle. Good luck with your crypto decisions, my friends. Carpe diem! 